my mom had fulfilled what she was put on earth to do. And if I were to die today, could I say the same? And the answer was no. And so I started pulling down the dreams that I put on the shelf and started working towards them, crossing them off my list. And one of them was the TEDx talk. Are you ready to master your mindset and your business? Join thousands of women each week who use this podcast as a tool to create financial and emotional wealth. And when you're ready to scale to the next level, visit theunstoppablewoman.com slash go. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I'm Amira Alvarez. I am your host and also the founder and CEO of the Unstoppable Woman, and I'm super excited to have on the podcast today, M.M. Washington, who is a leadership consultant and success strategist. She is also a TEDx speaker, which I'm super excited to dive into and talk to you about both the topic that you shared, but but also the the process of working with TEDx and how that worked for you. And 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 I know that there are a lot of people in our audience who would love to do a TEDx talk and I've had clients do that. So she is someone who comes from a background of law. She is an attorney. She's also a law professor, and she has uh, evolved her practice and business into uh, consulting on leadership skills and um, helping individuals and teams and organizations worldwide do more of what they love to do. Uh, So let's get started. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Okay. I would love to start our conversation by hearing a little bit about how you have navigated that journey from attorney to law professor to motivational speaker, leadership coach, like tell me about that evolution because quite frankly, lots of our clients and listeners are attorneys who have a big mission. They want to make a big impact in the world. And some of them love practicing law and that's the lane that they're in to make their impact. And some of them are looking around kind of going, well, maybe there's another way for me to make their my impact. So tell us a little bit about that evolution and journey? Yeah, that's uh, a great question. And even while you're asking it, um, my mind is going like, how did all of this happen? So I've been an attorney, this year makes it 20 years. And year three into the journey, well, let me back up and say law school was amazing for me. I loved it, did not want to graduate, was looking for like, what's the next thing I can do? And so I graduated and three years into practicing, I was like, yeah, this is not it. Like, I, you know, I feel like there's more. I, ju- I don't know what that is exactly, but this I just know that this isn't it. Uh, but I continued for the next 15 years uh, to to co- I continued working as a lawyer in different capacities and. So we pause there for a second. Okay. Was was that heartbreaking? Was that soul sapping? Like what? Or was it like I'm just doing what I need to do? Put on the the happy face. I can make it work. Like what was your attitude during that time? Yeah. Because it's like three years to to what did you say? Twelve to fifteen years in. So that's a goodly amount of time. Yeah. So fifteen years later was when I finally did it. But three years in, 
um, I was, I went through a range of emotions, right? So I was like, whoa, wait, what? I, this is not it. And then settling on, yeah, this is not it, but what is it? So there was confusion. There was, what do I tell my family? What do I tell my colleagues? What do I, do I tell anyone anything? And then, you know, it was just, it was a range of emotions, but I, I've got to say that for several of those years, I, it, it did feel soul sucking for me. Yeah. Yeah. Just when I got over that, you know, and, and adjusted my mindset and was like, you know, I can, I'm able to, I found a way, which a lot of your, your listeners might also do. Um, I found a way to balance both or do both. I won't say balance. Maybe that's not the right word, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I would do my day job. And then in the evenings and on the weekends, and occasionally, like a Friday and or a Thursday, I would have these speaking engagements. I would see clients. I would work on, you know, the other things that light me up, which I, I learned through this process that I loved. The things I loved about law are the things that I'm doing now. I love advocating. I love using my voice in a, in a certain way. And, you know, so... I found a way to do all of that kind of on the side. And when I reached that point where I'm like, okay, maybe I can just continue doing both of these. I, you know, I, my, my faith is like, okay, I just got a nudge inside of me that was like, okay, now it's time. And that now it's time happened in 2020 in August, August 10th, 2020 in the midst of the pandemic, when people are like being laid off and looking for, work and I'm like okay now it's time so <laughs> so let's talk about that because that transition so interesting there I I've worked with a lot of women who have transitioned from mostly from corporate working for someone else but but in, in into working for themselves and you have a slightly different story you were working I don't know if you were working for someone else or I'm were you working for someone else Okay, so you're working for someone else and then moving to yourself. And there's always this question, do I do I rip off the band-aid and make the leap of faith before I have the business completely set up or do I do it slowly and build it until I feel comfortable to to make that leap, which is the the way you went. And I and I I commend you for that. Oftentimes people don't actually the safety net of the business the the corporate job right working for someone else keeps them from actually doing the work that's required to build their business so it's this like ongoing not I won't call it a game because it's not funny but it's it's like a an ongoing challenge that it's safe enough in their job that they don't have the urgency to do the the hard things that are required to grow your business and they're saying to themselves, I'm going to leave when my business that is at such and such a level, but they don't get there ever because they're in this comfort zone. And it's it's a really catch-22 um, place. And I've just seen that happen over and over and over again for people. But you actually made it work. You You did the transition, which is fantastic. So what gave you the inspiration while you had the corporate job the, the work for someone else job to actually get the speaking gigs and do the work 
to build your leadership consulting business? Yeah. Okay. So that's a good way to ask that question. Um, and, and as I'm saying, as, as you're asking it, I'm also processing like, what is my, what gave me that inspiration? I think it was the soul sucking feeling, right? I was, I was miserable and probably making others around me miserable. And so I had to find a way. So for me, I initially, it just started with hey, I can speak at your event and I'll do it for free. Like, because I, you know, those are the things that light me up. And so once I found a way to, to do those things, right? The, the speaking, especially the speaking, and then started getting books to speak in other places. That to me was um, inspiring because it, because it allowed me to face my job and, knowing that there was more to look forward to when I left the job, you know, and when I say left the job, I don't mean left for good. I mean, once I left for the day or for the week, I knew that there was something else that I was looking forward to. Also, I, (laughs) true story, I I ran across um, an ad, a Facebook ad. I'm like, how did this, how did today? I think, how did this person ever find me? You know, but it was, uh, about uh, finding your first paying uh, coaching client. Mm-hmm. And so I signed up for that program and learned a whole bunch of things ab- about a whole new world out there of, you know, the, the, the knowledge world or the, you know, whatever we want to call it, information world or so- whatever. So and, uh, sort of like online digital marketing, like right? That. Yeah, and yeah. So, it just opened up my eyes to, and so I it began this journey of taking course upon course upon course, which also is not a good thing. But I mean, it fed me in that moment, right? And and so I so let's let's pause there to 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 flesh out what you mean by that because it sounds like you were you know following the I call them the breadcrumbs of delight, okay? That that like the things that light you up, and you just kind of follow them. And, and you, like one leads to the other and, and, and it's like this path of breadcrumbs that you're, you're following. And you found this world where there were all these courses and it was this brand new world, which I remember when, like that, I had that experience many, many years ago. And it was like, holy smokes, look at this. And, and it, it was like being in school again, you're, you're, you talked about loving law law school, right? Like y- you could succeed by studying, which for someone like you and someone like me, that's a very like that's like our lane. Like yeah. we study, we're good students, we know how to we know how to succeed in that arena. Right. But you also said, I'm just splicing this apart. You also said that may not have been a, such a good thing. And I'm I'm gonna read between the lines because I see this happen for so many people. Yeah. Like you take a bunch of courses and it feels like you're moving forward, but you're actually not doing the work in your business to grow it. You're just in learning, and that doesn't it's important. You need a base, right? But you actually need to do the needle moving work, which is super, super important. So yeah. Am I right there? You are absolutely right. (laughs) Yes. And then it got to a point where the information was repetitious. Like I, I was learning the same things over and over, even though the programs were called different things, it still was the same thing. So it was like, okay, when are you going to implement? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
when are you going to implement what you're learning and just stop? Everything sounded so good. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like that is learning is one of my love languages. And so this, you know, you've got something to teach. I'm, I'm there, right? There's a place for it. It's, it, there's a functional way to do it. And then there's a dysfunctional way to do it. So if you need the content to, because because if you're in ignorance of how it works, that doesn't work. You need to up-level your level of awareness, but then you actually have to take the action and put it to work. So, okay. So then what happened next? How did you actually start activating and taking action? Yeah. So like I was saying, I was doing a lot of this on the side and I, it's once I started actually how I got my first client, actually, someone actually reached out to me. I hadn't even put it out there that I'm coaching yet. And someone reached out to me, someone in my network and asked if I would coach her. And, and that has happened to me three different times. And so I just started coaching on what I knew, which has to do with self-leadership, communication, you know, especially uh, self-leadership and uh, identifying who you are, how you show up in the world, becoming self-aware, your vision, your things like that. So you're speaking my love language right there. (laughs) (laughs) And I noticed that when you were describing this, those of you who are listening to the audio only version, you you won't have seen this. So I'm going to translate. But while she was talking about what she uh, help people with. She kept putting her hands on her heart, and and um, I think it was slightly unconscious, but it was absolutely like this this nonverbal communication of like she just dove into exactly what her lane of genius was and and what lit her up. Wow, good observation. I didn't even catch that, but yeah. So I, it really does light me up till today. Because I know what it was like for me going through this fog, what seemed like a fog, especially when I was like, okay, if I'm not practicing law, right, my whole identity was wrapped up in, okay, I have this law degree. Uh, If I'm not practicing that, where do I go? And I have all these things I love to do, but I can't do them all. So what, you know, just who am I if I'm not MM the lawyer? And so that journey of becoming my full self, I know that breakthrough, that feeling that I got. And so helping others do that definitely lights up my soul. And so it's, I struggled. I'm jumping a little bit ahead and you can bring me back if you need to. I struggled when I felt another nudge uh, last year, 2021, saying, okay, I need you to focus on the TEDx, helping people with their TEDx dreams. And I was like, no, but I want to do this, the the self-awareness stuff, all of that. But, you know. Oh, no, this is totally on track. So let's dive in there because I watched your TEDx talk. It was really great. Um, And one, I just want to let you know that I am one of those people that if push comes to shove, I will make ironing a methodical meditative process, but I'm, I'm really more of a steamer girl. And like, this is going to sound a little bit like nose in the air. I, I love the fact that I have an assistant now who does all of that because it is not my favorite. And for those of you who are absolutely confused by the comment that I just made, MM has this TED talk where she talks about the life lessons that she learned 
from ironing and this this particular moment. And it's a great TED Talk. You should all go check it out. Um, I want to dive into the content of that TED Talk. But also, let's go back to this place where you're talking about that you help people with TED Talks. Like, to me, that seems... I feel like there's always... When I'm helping people with their business model, when I'm helping people redefine their offers and how to scale and how to really expand their income and, you know, cross the six figures, cross the seven figures mark. I'm always looking for this sweet spot between what the marketplace needs. Okay. What's, what's a problem that people will pay for that solves a big problem that people want and what lights the person up. And oftentimes people are under the impression that those two things are separate, but they're often there's often a lot of overlap. And if you can figure out how to integrate them, you're off to the races. So have you, have you owned it? Have you owned the integration? Yes, 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 yes. I, I didn't at first. It was a struggle because I felt like every multi-passionate person would feel. I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm limiting myself if I'm only focusing on helping people with their TEDx vision but it has ended up being allowing me to to incorporate both sides of me you know both sides of the way that I like to show up that I like to help people because in the TEDx journey some of that comes into play you know and of course I'm trying to figure out how to well let me the way I see it is you know, have you ever heard the expression um, that building your own business is the biggest personal growth journey? Have you have you heard that expression? Yeah. yeah. So I tell my clients because I, I teach them all sorts of things around business, but I, I help them a lot around sales, which is what people tend to run from, but it's what moves money. Okay. You need to know how to do sales if you're in business for yourself. And I tell my clients, you know, learning how to do sales and loving sales, like embracing it, um, being someone who feels lit up by it instead of annoyed or resistant to it or scared of it. And that was a journey. Okay. Being someone who, who thinks of sales as unconditional love now. And of course I want to, um, help people in that way. That was the biggest personal growth journey. I learned so much about myself in that process. And I think that's what I hear you saying about teaching TED Talks. Like there's so much personal growth and business growth uh, that you need to learn in the process. Yes? Exactly. Exactly. But you you have me um, intrigued when you say that the, that sounds like you're saying that anyone can learn to love sales. Oh, yeah. Okay. You have you have to be <laughs> you have to want it badly enough. Meaning you have to be so committed to your vision for your life and for your business that that has to be bigger than your fears. And then you have to learn the skill set, um, which is both inner game and outer game uh, of it. But if if you're committed, if you want it badly enough, then it's absolutely a learnable skill and and you can fall in love with it and you can it can feel as delightful as how you feel speaking on stages okay okay okay. yeah i will talk to you about that later (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah so but but back to the the question that you asked coaching tedx 
aspiring TEDx speakers has allowed me to work on, just like you mentioned, the inner game, the outer game, and just really combine the identity, self-awareness piece. It's a big piece really with any goal or any, or with life in general, right? But also just especially with the TEDx journey, because there are moments along that journey, speaking from personal experience, speaking from the experience of my own clients, there are moments in that journey where, where you doubt yourself, where you question, why am I doing this? What possessed me to even put my name in the, you know, in, in the, the hat. hat. Right. And so I've been able to fulfill both for myself and also for clients. Right. That's the joy that. I, so now I have no problem showing up as MM, the TEDx coach. I love that. I love that. Okay. So MM, the TEDx coach, let's pick your brain a little bit. Okay. Cause I think that there are probably a number of people who are intrigued by the idea of doing a TED talk and what it entails and, and how that all works. So what would be, can you give us a few tips, like two or three tips that people need to know that probably they don't know about the whole journey? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is that Oftentimes, people think that they have to be a big name, a neurophysicist or some, you know, doing some sort of world-renowned work. And the answer to, and, and I actually was one of those people that thought that. Uh, I had, I saw my first TEDx talk in 2013. I had seen TED Talks, like the, you know, the fewer, that's on the big TED stage, but I'd never someone sent me a TEDx talk and I was like, what is this? And I watched it, was so moved. I was like, I would love to do this, you know? And then almost immediately the thought came to me, but who am I? Oh, (laughs) so let me pause. Let me pause for a second here and translate this into a little bit of what I teach. So I, I teach something called the manifestation matrix. Manifestation is just a fancy name for how you create in this world. And the first two, it's a matrix because you can jump all over. But if you if you look at it linearly, that's a hard word to say for me, um, in a direct line, it starts with desire. And then in an instant, all the doubt comes in. And yeah. denial is the very next stage. And you go into the like, who am I? How could I possibly think? Yeah. I'll be a fool to do this, right? All of that. So, okay. So, you're not alone, M. And you know this is this is how it works, but you have to move through that. And I, I uh, clearly there's an after story here. So you did move through it. So how did you move through it? But it took me five years. Like I, that, I watched that in that talk in 2013. Had the doubt, and the thoughts would come to me every, you know, frequently over the years. But I put that desire on the back or that dream on the back burner. And then my mom passed away and, you know, which I talk about in my talk and through that process of grieving, what came out of that was, you know, my mom had fulfilled what she was put on earth to do. And if I were to die today, could I say the same? And the answer was no. And so I started pulling down the dreams that I put on the shelf and started working towards them, crossing them off my list. And one of them was the TEDx talks, which I applied in 2018. And the first 
time I applied, I applied to three events, made all the mistakes, and I, I got no's for all three. So again, to answer the first point I will make is that you don't have to be this rocket scientist. You don't have to be an Oprah, Brene Brown. You don't have to be any known name to become a TEDx speaker. The second thing I will say that um, is it's like a myth that people, or maybe it's just something that people don't really know. So many people think that you have to like get tapped on the shoulder to speak on the TEDx stage. Now that is one way that you can get chosen to speak on a TEDx stage. I know people who, you know, the TEDx organizer either knows them or found out about them and asked them, invited them to speak on their stage. However, many people, myself included, get on TEDx stages by applying. Now the application process, it can be a little bit cumbersome to find the right stages for yourself, but there's still a way to do that. I mean, it's it's not impossible. It, and I gave my first TEDx talk, I've done two now, but I gave my first one in London and I live in Texas in, in the US. And so you just applied to the London stage. Is that what you did? I just applied. I applied. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. And I almost didn't apply to that stage because pre-pandemic, especially pre-pandemic, most of the stages that I had looked at, most of the applications that I had seen wanted you to have some ties to their city, their state, their location. And so the one in London, I didn't see the, anything expressly stated about that. And so I was like, okay, do I apply? Do I not? I really would love to do my TED talk in London. So I applied and I got a yes. <laughs> Tell us about the application process. Is it is it fairly straightforward? Uh, do you have to do anything special? Yeah. So there's not a one size fits all application. And also there's not like a central application that you fill out and send off to the various TEDx events. Each one has their own application and they ask their own questions. However, there are some key questions that all of them ask, even if it's in a different way. So you've got to know that. Uh, and this is the, the third thing I'll say. A lot of times I get a lot of uh, storytellers, people who love to tell stories. I'm a storyteller and I love to listen to stories as well. But the TED stage, the TEDx stage, is not for stories. Now, you can incorporate your story into your talk, and you should. But when you're applying, you need to lead with the idea because TED Talks are about ideas that are worth spreading. That's their mantra. That's what they put everywhere, ideas worth spreading, meaning ideas that are so good that if you, Amira, listen to a talk, you'll say, hey, you know what? And you'll call your or you'll email your friends and say, you've got to listen to this talk. This was great. And it's about the idea, not the story. Again, the story can support the idea, but you need to lead with the idea. And, and after my first talk, I was blessed to be invited to serve on with two different TEDx events. Um, as a speaker coach for both. And then for one of them, I also served on the curation team. So I got to see behind the scenes of what goes into the process of selection 
of the, the applications mm-hmm. or the speakers. And so looking at that, it gave me further insight into, ah, okay, this is why I didn't get mine accepted the first time and all of that. So, yeah, so there's, there's, uh, the applications are, are different, but the central thing is what is your idea? And yeah. you have to be able to put that phrase that in, we like to say 15 words or less. Yeah. So tell me about the idea that you shared in your application for your TED Talk, because one of the things that I, I watched the TED Talk that you did, I understand you've done two, but I, I watched the one on the lessons you learned from the iron in that moment. And there were lots of ideas. There were lots of lessons. So you actually had a number of things that you were pulling out from that experience. And I'm not going to tell you all the things, (laughs) listeners, you can go listen to the TED Talk. It's short and sweet and worth listening to. Um, But how did you frame that? Because you had a lot of things that you pulled out um, as lessons. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. The idea that I put forth is that we can learn lessons about living from non-living things. And so the non-living thing in this case was my iron. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes when, when we think about learning, we're in the class, we think about a teacher or, you know, somebody, some, something that's alive teaching us. But in this case, my iron was my teacher. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's great. I I have a a perspective on that. You know, I, I... I teach from a perspective of universal law. These are the spiritual laws of success, how to how to live successful a successful life. And one of the things that I'm always bringing to my clients because it's the law of relativity, nothing is good or bad, large or small, in, until you add meaning to it and and you compare it to something else. So what are you comparing it to? What is the pers- the angle, the relative angle of your perspective? Mm-hmm. And that every circumstance, every event, every experience, you might be labeling it as this is bad. I don't want this. Ironing these kids' uniforms is driving me crazy. Yuck, right? right. Like I don't this is this is too much already. Or you can change your perspective, change your attitude on it and realize that life is always happening for you, not to you. And if you, if you look with a, a, an attitude of there's always a, a growth and always a lesson in this experience because the universe is always calling me into more, you have a completely different experience. So when I, uh, my, my team brought your, your TED talk to me, you know, would this make a good podcast interview? And I was like, look at this, this is spot on, right? Because you're pulling out all these lessons and you, you changed your attitude in that moment. And it changed, quite frankly, it changed the course of your life. Right. Yeah. It it, it did. Yeah. So, what would you say to a woman who's who's listening right now and that feels like her circumstances, maybe it's not single motherhood and ironing clothes, um, but something something unique to her that is stopping her from really living 
their life, their desire, or, you know, I, I call it living a lit up life, right? Like, what would you share with someone who's in a perspective where they're a little stuck in their circumstances? Yeah, I always wonder if words are enough, but I know that words were enough to make, to cause a shift in me. So I'm just going to share these words. Uh, Your story is not over. You can always flip the page and Mm. onto another, another page, another chapter of your life. Life, (laughs) <laughs> this not to sound philosophical, but life happens to all of us and how we respond to it in every, every time it happens, how we respond determines what we get out of it. And so, I mean, so, you know, there's several instances in my own journey where I did feel stuck, but the one thing that I learned early on And that has carried me through every situation, every chapter, every page is the ability to hope, the ability. Mm. So I just want to encourage you to find in yourself that ability to hope for better, to hope for more. And when you allow yourself to hope, it allows you to dream again. It allows you to start taking steps. Baby steps are still steps but mm. taking steps towards accomplishing that dream. And when you achieve even the littlest thing, you'll be surprised at the excitement, the joy, and the momentum that comes from that. Mm, I love that. I love that. Hope is so essential. So I have a little saying that that might sound like it's in conflict with what you said, okay. but it's absolutely not, which okay. is that hope is not a strategy. Like it's not the thing that is going to get you booked on a TED stage, right? You ha- you have to take the action. You have to submit the application. Yeah. But without hope, without any nugget of possibility, right? You you don't have the motivation. You don't have the inspiration. You don't have enough there to to start taking the the small steps. So hope is absolutely essential. Yeah. So before I ask my final questions, I would love to uh, give you an opportunity to share with people where they can find out more about you and your TEDx coaching and even where they can find your TEDx talk. Yeah. So uh, first place I'd say is you can always send me an email, mm at mmwashington.com. And if you do, please let me know that you found me here on Amira's uh, podcast because I would love to um, give something special, especially to you. Also, I am MM Washington on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, everywhere, just MM Washington. And send me a message. I respond to all my messages. It, may, it might take a moment to respond, but I do respond to every message I receive. Fantastic. And in case you're wondering how to spell M-M, it's E-M-E-M, so M-M Washington, okay? As someone who has one of those names that is not necessarily always spelled correctly, I'm, 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 you know, I've got your back on that one, okay? Okay. So 
you're you're on the growth journey you're on the business journey you're you're evolving and growing how do you continue to learn to stay on top of your game what is what is your your learning now if you're not the the course addict anymore where are you doing your uh your growth yeah so i'm not the course addict but i still do sign up occasionally i i I'm always growing, always wanting to learn. I think the, a big chunk of that comes from being in a couple of masterminds and just learning and growing from other people in other spheres. I also strongly believe in having a coach. There have been moments where I've had four coaches for different things. Um, at the moment, I have two. And I, I suspect that I will have at least one coach for the rest of my life. I just feel like that's what works for me. That allows me that accountability, the ability to brainstorm and bounce ideas. And then just having that cheerleader to, to pour into me and to cheer me on. So I think those are the ways that I'm learning. Of course, books and podcasts for sure. That's a given. Um, yeah, I think. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Okay, final question. What makes you an unstoppable woman? Ooh. <laughs> okay, what makes me an unstoppable woman? Hmm. I tell you what, in a nutshell, my journey to motherhood was plagued with four losses, two miscarriages, two stillbirths. Mm. And it was in that season that I learned about the power of hope. I now have two sons who were teenagers. And that journey is what informs or, or, or what came out of that journey is what informs anything. So like you tell me, the doctor told me you will not be able to have children after a certain surgery I had to remove fibroids. And I went on to have my two sons. Yeah. yeah. So that makes me unstoppable. Yeah, that kind of perseverance and faith and and the keeping hope alive, right? Like not losing hope. So I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, MM, for coming on the podcast, for sharing your wisdom, for being su- such a light and uh generous spirit and and for for really being transparent about how the business journey was for you that it wasn't all the after picture but that there was an evolution here i think that's so helpful for for other women to hear and i am grateful for you for sharing your story thank you thank you, thank you so much for having me